into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. Okay, recording. All right, hello everyone welcome to pot damn america a podcast by idiots for everyone i don't know um hi i'm jake flores alex patak is here hi i'm alex i'm jake's friend thanks for coming anders lee is here anders lee here the show's not for cops but they're probably a couple listening. No cops. Addendum. Not for cops. Yeah, not for cops. Or maybe for, like, only for cops? I don't know. It depends on what we're trying to do here. That's, only I'm for the FBI wondering. agent specifically assigned to our podcast. <laughs> right. That might be a big portion of our listenership. <laughs> Today, we are joined by a special guest, Mabadoo Njai, comedian um, and general cool person. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, I hope cops are listening because I'm not talking real spicy about them. So, <laughs> uh, your ears burning, cops? What's well, because we're about <laughs> to talk about you? NYPD is going to put out the press conference like we heard them talking about us. We didn't see it, but we heard it. Bump <laughs> it in our ears. Well, you know, actually, so I wanted to talk about this book called The End of Policing today, which would be kind of like the thing we're going to work off of. And um, the author of it, Alex Vitali, has said that. Well, he does readings all over the world, and especially in other countries, like cops come and they like have to secretly confide in him and be like, "I really like your book, but I can't tell anyone at the force. So. <laughs> they'll kill me. Yeah, they'll find me and they'll kill me." <laughs> so there's, yeah. so there is in theory there are some cops you know who are maybe into police reform, but it's a. Uh, totally against the culture so if you're secretly listening to this cop just don't let the headphones get pulled out of your computer at the station while we're you know yelling about whatever the fuck poppers and kratom and shit right right <laughs> if you guys have like a cat on the desk that's like the police station cat and he just like walks across the keyboard and stuff you cannot let him yank your headphones out blasting our podcast <laughs> out for everyone to hear yeah they'll think you're well, wh- serpico it'll fucking kill you one of the more like jarring things I've heard him say when I've like been looking at interviews with him this past week is he says he'll talk to cops or former cops who like originally wanted to be wanted to work with kids or work with homeless people or people with <laughs> mental illness and like, <laughs> that's Monkey's the only thing. Curls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this Go is the, the only place for see the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but what happened? Sorry, say the last part. Then what? Just like this is the only thing you can do in a lot of cases where you can actually <laughs> do anything close to like what we should be doing in these communities, like actually treating mental illness. The closest thing is becoming a cop. Right, you can uh, oh, shoot them with a gun. There's yeah. no money in it, and the rest social shit. All yeah. right, that makes sense. Yeah. So this weird. week is actually. Or I guess this moment, so like the last month or so, has brought around my new favorite type of viral video, which is indignant police officers yelling at you to be nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, you were you got you got stopped, right, Jake? You you spent a night in the slammer. I got stopped very forcefully by like ten <laughs> cops on my fucking head. Uh, I got yeah. tackled. Um, you straight up desisted. Wait, what day was it, and where was it? It was Saturday. I'm, I'm over here like, oh my god, we could have been at the same protest. Wow. <laughs> it was. It was like the second day. It was the Saturday, like a week and some change ago, in Flatbush, and it was next to the burning dumpster. If you saw that shit at all. Um, okay. What time? Uh, about. Are you a cop? Hold on. What's happening? Uh, the, <laughs> the burning dumpster. Uh-huh. Okay. Cool. 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 Uh, <laughs> you gotta look. Did you get a look at the person who burnt the dumpster? Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like ten or eleven or something like that when I got stomped or whatever. Okay, you- yeah, because I was that that Saturday I was out at Flatbush. You know the video of the car that like went through those protesters when they had the gate up. Yeah. I was. I was there i saw i wasn't in front of the car but i saw that happening and then the reason why i asked about like how many cops are on you is because we me and uh you know we went to the city and in union square like the bike cops pulled up and i'm not getting arrested by a bike cop that's just not in my nature like, <laughs> oh, yeah. there's no fucking way it's just not in my ethos so it couldn't happen you had to run that back but i was out here roasting cops and then and you know, I told a dude he had a, a, a orthodontist chin. I was like, "There's no way you should be a cop. You look like you could fix the fuck out some teeth." <laughs> and all of all of a sudden, every single like all the cops came from out of nowhere. Like it's the bike cops and these wild like spandex joints, and then the white collars, the blue collars, and they were just tackling people, like just putting them down on the ground, and like there was mad people on them. And I saw one cop like full on sweep the leg on this dude, and he hit the pavement hard. So- when I saw that, when I saw you talking on Twitter about, like, yo, I'm about to get arrested, I was like, yo, are we in the same place? I was really curious. And then, you know, people mm-hmm. on Twitter were like, oh, yeah, we're, we're checking it on him. We know where he is. I'm like, all right, thank God. I hope he wasn't the person that I got. I saw just get demolished. Oh, oh. Jake got Cobra Kai'd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they swept the leg on me. A cop came up to me yeah. doing the Karate Kid thing with the one foot. <laughs> Overcoming. Do you guys see the video of the the like uh, the white guy squares off and has like a one on one street fighter engagement with a cop? No, oh, man. please. Where he, he snakes the leg at the end. It's great. There's like three <laughs> dodges and then a full on tackle, Whoa. and his head makes like a clunk sound. Those are the most satisfying things to watch. Probably second most satisfying thing I've seen all week is I gotta look up this guy's name. I'll put actually put a, put a clip in of him right here. But um, there's a guy who is like a lawyer or something and i you know he's white i'm assuming because he's able to get away with this but he's been making these videos on youtube where he just goes up to cops and he starts talking at them like oh yeah and it's like (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) it like fucking fries the cop circuits like they don't know what to do when another person talks like that so they just it's like when you bite a dog to teach it discipline (laughs) (laughs) I'm, i'm asking the questions where have you been today no, have you been I'm, here? I'm asking the questions. You're on this property. You're you're on this property, so you need to ask answer my questions. Are you drunk? Why are you slurring your words today? So have you have you been here all day or have you been out? Have you been to the bar today at all? Who are you? Have you been to the bar today? Who are you? I'm an investigator. Investigator for who? Investigative journalist. I investigate uh, corrupt officials. So I'm wondering, where have you been today? Have you been here all day, or have you been out at the bar at all? Working on a fraud case. That's okay. where I've been. Okay. Have you been to the bar at all today? No. Okay. You got any drugs on you? Have you used any drugs today? 
What a ridiculous question. That's not a ridiculous hey. question. Do you know where he's been today? Uh, I don't. I, no, I don't keep tabs on him. I've okay. On the about. <clears throat> Do you know what time his shift started? Uh, not off the top of my head. Okay. Um, does he usually drink on the job or? No. no. Not not that anybody knows of for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Have you guys ever breathalyzed him? While he's been on the job. Would you, would you submit to a breathalyzer for me right now? You're ridiculous, you know that? Same. You've got about five minutes to get out of here right now. Or what? Or what? You're, you're on My property. This isn't your yeah, property. Yeah, shut the hell up. Get out of here now. What'd you say? I said shut up and get out no, of here. No, you get out of here now. Hey, you better get your, you better get your boy. Get your butt back in your office you and do your up. job. You shut up and get you out You get of here. your butt back in your office no. and do your job. No. No. You quit drinking on the job. You understand me? Whatever. You punk ass. You get your ass back in there. You don't look back here again. I'll be watching you. It's so wild because like you see, you see them short circuit. They're like, yeah. never been treated like I treat people. And they're like, what? <laughs> what are you supposed to do? But those fight videos now, I have like, listen, I've seen mad fights i have been in the delancey mcdonald so many times i've seen mad fights my man was mixing mixing it up with this cop and you could tell he had hands and when he swept that leg and put it's like a it's like a 10 second clip my man had 10 seconds and he put him on the ground and that is satisfying it's like it's like learning you could fly it was it was so the closest to a dumb. video game i've ever seen in real life <laughs> right there uh, my favorite has been the the one i think i'm pretty sure it was in britain because there was the guy who was running away from a cop, yes. an unarmed cop, and he go, they go on the boardwalk, and and he stops, and he finally stops, and then he pushes the cop in the water and like runs back. And I like, I <laughs> oh, know yeah, that's in the UK shit. because the laws of gravity are just like different there to where hijinks like that occur more. Like that couldn't have happened physically in the United States. Like I'm sure Yakety Sacks <laughs> started playing. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred. That's that's a Monty Python shit for real. Yeah, for real. like there's no, there's no way that would here also we don't have bodies of water open like that but i would love to see a cop try and tackle someone and fall into like the washington square park fountain right. like oh I, I would turn around and clown him i, yeah. I would 100 would that cop got on the list up of our him. police reforms needs to be a space for tomfoolery <laughs> yes exactly can we have a little bit of whimsy in the bill we can learn from the fact that our our f friends across the pond are fucking up the cops with mr bean you know right <laughs> <laughs> they got Rowan oh, well, Atkins <laughs> out of retirement just to do Mr. Bean as pranks on <laughs> Yeah. Um, how, uh, how's everyone doing in Mamadou? How's your, how's your week been, all things considered, I guess? I mean, like, for me personally, like, uh, uh, I don't know how long you've been following me, but I've been working on, like, a short film about this sort of stuff for a while. And, like, talking about this has always been in my set. Like, this is, like not new information but i will say that it does feel like the needles moved uh a lot more than it's ha it has in my entire lifetime so uh you know while you know things are a little bit traumatic and you know you outside and you're, you're staring down a cop and that cop is literally just like holding the stick like i'm going to beat the shit out of you when it turns to 801 it's a pack up for you my friend like that is always a little bit harrowing but i think that i'm really you know looking at things like what's going on in Minneapolis, putting the Midwest on the map and uh, being like, yo, we are, we're taking down this target. We are not going to stop until we are defunding and then absolutely getting rid of the police force. And it's 
a beautiful thing because like it's things that I've always wanted. I grew up learning about and that I didn't think I would see in my lifetime. So I'm just kind of, you know, trying to be vigilant as I always am, but you know, still very happy to see police officers quitting and you know seeing the seeing people record the things that you know black people complained about their entire lives and some people paid attention to and could turn away but i think that you know you can't start a rebellion when no one has jobs and we're all supposed to stay inside everyone needs a reason so like it's so nice to um see that change happening even if it's incremental it's a lot more than the change that's happened in the past and i say we just keep that uh, machine going you know yeah well that's so crazy that's what's so crazy about this is like it feels like so much is happening like so much society is happening right now and it's this is incremental like this is probably gonna land us you know uh, with a, a some yardage but not you know all the way to the end of the field or whatever mm-hmm. but, but um it's all right you do love to see it you know I've been playing. Yeah, I've been hoping for my entire life to see a target get burned down. Out apolitically, just <laughs> so I'm also feeling a lot, you know. I was really surprised because, like, you know, how many people really defended like you know buildings and corporations and my. I'm like, do y'all like stop caring? I'm like, there's no way that I'm gonna be out here like putting my body in between a, me and a Burlington coat factory. What's wrong with you? Grow yeah. up! Like, yeah. what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, like I'm not personally a looter. I wouldn't. I don't want to because it's just not in me. But like I was like, yeah, go for it. Get what you want. Get your fucking accoutrement. That's what you fucking want. Go for that shit, bro. There's a part of it that's like the uh, uh, what's it called? So, you know, in Nickelodeon when they used to just let a kid loose in the store for ten minutes and you could put everything in the shopping cart. Uh, chopped? Ah. Is that what you're talking about? No, something sweepstakes. <laughs> something sweepstakes. Uh, something yeah. Oh, you me yeah, on this. Yeah, yeah. I do remember this. I do remember this. I don't remember the name of it, and normally I'm really good at like that, like '90s Nickelodeon shit. But Slime yeah, Town. I know what you're talking about. Slime <laughs> I Town. Know, yeah, they called it That's Slime Town, and okay. they've been encouraging this kind of behavior for decades now. And you expect mm. when when all law and order is up for grabs and people don't have jobs and there's no guarantee of health care and there's just beatings in the street, we're not going to go and take as many copies of Rock'em Sock'em robot, Robots as we can fit in our bags? <laughs> fuck that. What's wrong with you? Time to I'm go. getting all these fucking nerds rope. Get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even like them. I don't even like them. Yeah, I want them. What's <laughs> <laughs> the point? about the message yeah yeah i would lose something i didn't even want but i mean honestly also there's a great clip uh i'll try and find it and link in the show notes or something of this uh this woman just sort of explaining to some you know uh naive reporter who sort of asks her you know what do you think about the looters or whatever and she sort of breaks it down and explains like you know uh as we've talked about like who gives a shit you know this whole myth of they're just trying to break us up or whatever but but she's also sort of explaining like you know, if you look at the history of like this country racially, you know, you, you built the damn country yourself. You, you know, are offered no compensation and for 400 years. And then after that, she's like making this metaphor about it. It's like, a, what if you were playing a game of Monopoly and they didn't let you keep any money the first 400 rounds? And then after <laughs> the next 50 rounds, they just burn your money down. Like every, every time you build a hotel or whatever, they burn it down, you know, and she's going like, yeah, of course. Like, why? Yeah, <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. Why Kimberly would... Jones, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. No, I mean that that moment's so beautiful, mostly because it's it's like there's so much truth to what she's saying. It's just that like the you know the myth of opportunity in this country 
you know, it's all to go to these billionaires and people who just are going to hoard that wealth with no intention of giving back in any sort of way. So you're out here made to build your life on scraps. And then the moment that you build something that's even, you know, livable, someone comes through to burn it down. So that cycle has been happening for so long. And, you know, when I was working on that short film, I was supposed to highlight the cycle of violence, the cycle that we continue to find ourselves in. And that's, I mean, it's got to break at some point. You can only do the same thing to people so many times and push them against the wall and kill them and, you know, take resources from them. And, you know, you can't keep doing that. You're building a pressure system and that's going to blow up at some point. And it finally did, thank God. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing people temporarily, uh, you know, giving up on the various social contracts that were sort of... um you know, implied to be all engaged in. But the one thing also that she keeps mentioning in that video is you broke the contract. Like, the contract's broken and you broke it. So that's why this is sort of happening. Um, I want to talk a little bit, or I want to talk probably for, you know, the bulk of this show, I guess, about uh, The End of Policing, though, which is a book by uh, a guy named Alex Vitale. And um, the reason being is that, so... I don't know where we're at. No one really knows what's happening and what's going to be the future of this. We are still establishing like these temporary autonomous zones and stuff in like Seattle. Um, you know, there's this news about the Minneapolis uh, City Council possibly disbanding the police department. You know, no one really knows what's happening, but there is a big fear in my mind, at least, and I think a lot of people's minds of is is this going to get like just sort of uh, watered down by you know, liberal opportunists and stuff because hmm. you're starting to see like, um, you know, like, okay, there was that guy with the beret the other night who like made a little viral video where he's like, you know, doing the hokey pokey with the cop or whatever. And he's like, you know, bringing everyone together or whatever. It turns out somebody looked him up. He's like an Instagram influencer. He's not yeah. from New York, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's another video of a woman yelling at everyone in um manhattan and she's saying like you know this is not your neighbor or this is your neighborhood people live here or whatever and uh it turns out no one mentioned she was a former obama aide and uh the thing is also she was in like midtown manhattan like no one lives there no one you know <laughs> like it's kind of so you see you know i guess what's what's hap what seems to be happening to me is that either there are legitimate, like, COINTELPRO, just agent provocateurs and undercover cops and stuff, or liberals have done the work for them by sort of, you know, digesting all of this information and convincing themselves that, uh, you know, that we need to be doing, like, um, you know, the Macarena with the cops or whatever. Um, yeah. You have to. You have to do it. I really want to. I wish there was a cop video because they keep dancing with cops. It'd be cool if they just daggered. Like they just let, like, let the cop just run and jump and split his legs onto you and shit. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just bring a ladder, play some wild dance hall, and just have him jump off the ladder onto you. Yeah, but like he's the yeah. woman. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like to show Whatever. you, like, with respect for the community. You know, I don't know. So, yeah. So, <laughs> what I'm getting at, though, like, I guess the point I'm trying to make is it seems like we are getting whether we like it or not past the initial phase of, you know, outright, um, like, uh, physical protest and, um, you know, retaliation for having broken the social contract. And now we're starting to get into what happens next. What is the, what is the abolition or reform that looks like this or that comes after this look like? Because mm -hmm. the momentum has dwindled a little bit, but also we're starting to see these, these, um, 
you know, these res- uh, concessions come from the actual government. Like we're starting to win a little bit, and it sounds like the Democrats and like Biden and people like that are going to come in and kind of go like, okay, I, I'm going to take it from here. And then that equals, you know, nothing giving the cops more money or something like that. Um, well, he's not going to do anything with it. Right. He's being very Absolutely. vocal about that. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want to win. Well, and just... I've never seen a man more committed to taking an L than Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah. ha- ha- like my man, every single time, well, Hey, can you do this thing? He's like, I got you. I got you. I want to do the opposite of what I've just been told. Like, Come on, bro. Like, I, exactly. I'm, not con- I'm not convinced that my man looks in the mirror and recognizes himself. Like, I like, there's no way. I have no like. His brain has to be oatmeal. Well, as What's we have discussed on this a- show, he has led paint poisoning from paint. I think that's my own personal oh, experience yeah. theory. <laughs> he, he's got something because he's a professional politician. How hard is it to just read the room and just say you'll do these things and then later not do them? Right. That's literally your whole job. That's what You're Trump 75 did. Seventy-five years old. Yeah. yeah. Well, what are this? No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, the, the the wild thing about all of this is, like, to your point about, like, no one really knows what's really going on, is that, like, the country is in this very delicate position where the next <laughs> truly probably 50 years is being going to be chosen by this election. And I think that's because, you know, we have things like RBJ, RBG could die, you know, like, and now we have another Supreme Court, that's three Supreme Court picks by the same dude. We have uh, all, we have a possible presidential candidate who is the furthest from what we want. We have apathetic voters like, I don't even want to vote for this dude, but I have to because of this. You always want to enthusiastically vote for people. But unfortunately, the people that we're trying to vote, uh, that we're trying to have represent us, are all giving these really weak responses, like Nancy Pelosi taking a knee in Kente Club. Like, that's not what we want. I don't need a show of solidarity that is straight up bullshit. I need an actual declaration of intent of what to do. And I think part of that is built on so much of this country is really good at labeling the problem and saying this is a problem, but never having steps past that. And I think that even in my mindset, I was just like, police brutality has got to end. And then, you know, had to sit back with, oh, my gosh, what was what's going to come next after the end of policing, which this book is about. And, of course, it is abolition, but that requires people to understand that. And that information is not being, you know, shared with the public in a way that it is necessary for them to understand there are plans and ideas in place to make this work. So I'm really excited to see what's happening in Minneapolis. But I I, I mean, is there going to even be support publicly from that? Because I, I'm my biggest worry is be, is the police that are being displaced from their jobs retaliating. In some Absolutely. Sort of right. Yeah, you can see you can see them while you're protesting, just counting, like taking account. I'll, I know you. I'll remember you. I'll mm-hmm. remember you. I'll be working this job in a month, and you won't mm-hmm. be here. And then I'll mm-hmm. kick your ass. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, one of the like sort of silver linings, I guess, of like the American system, which is the very very dark cloud, of course. Uh, I was reading about this today. Of Stuart Schrader wrote this book about. Um, it's called Making the American Gulag. And basically when in like the mid 20th century, when policing uh, as sort of a, an apparatus was being developed more in, in the U.S., the goal was to just make it the opposite of the Soviet Union, where there's like a very strong central body that everyone you know reported to. And so by design, it's very decentralized. So 
that definitely has a lot of negatives to it, mm -hmm. right? But there are also some silver linings in that we can kind of bypass having to go through the federal government. And so, I mean, obviously the federal government plays a big role, but uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter too much what Biden is or isn't willing to do if we can just attack it at, at the local level, which uh, we're starting to see in Minneapolis. I'm, you know, I think everybody, the whole world is watching right now to see where that goes. Yeah, on right. some level. And on silver, I'm sorry, you go? Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say, uh, in addition to silver linings, um, although there's, uh, you know, a dark hole of depression if you look at any kind of federal politics happening in the United States right now there has been a few people who've stepped up in ways that's really encouraging for where we'll be going from here because like Andrews was saying like Donald Trump is president right now he would just have all of us shot but he can't like on Saturday I, I got all the way we did a march from um Grand Army all the way to uh, Washington Square, and we got there in time for a speech from Jamani Williams, mm -hmm. who was saying all the right things I expect from a politician right now. But, and it has been present at all of these protests and has been de-escalating conflicts every night when the curfew was going down. And so you are seeing uh, more leadership that represents the values of the progressives in this country in a way that is totally absent otherwise. Yeah, and I think that part of that is we have been intentionally led to believe by media, by news, by unions, by all these things that our society cannot survive without the police. Right. And it can't. It absolutely, it's an intentional miseducation that is supposed to put them as heroes. And then you ask the people, be like, oh, what are you going to do when this happens? It's like, well, I'm hoping that there will be programs and systems in place that we can take this $16 billion <laughs> and put them into these programs to make sure that those things don't happen and nip those things in the butt as early as possible and also care for ourselves. And they're like, well, they're peacekeepers. I'm like, I don't know if you were watching the last two weeks. Ain't no peace. And if anyone was peaceful, it was protesters with their hands up and it was these cops that were waiting for any reason to swing on people and they took it even if there wasn't a reason so yeah. it's like it's it's um we have a hero worship that is tied to cops in this country that it's it needs to be demystified and i think that you know these videos of people you know showing straight up like you know this is what a police officer did to me and you know i'll say it as a person who has been to a lot of protests i have seen many a white person get locked up but i've never seen them get the shit beat out of them the way that they did in these protests. When I asked you, I was sitting here, I was like, oh, they beat the shit out of white people? <laughs> oh, fuck, it's on him popping. What yeah. is going on? And, like, to see that, and then, like, not only here, but just, like, the global swell of, like, support for Black Lives Matter and, you know, Black Lives in America, but also the people, and then, you know, exposing the racism within all the other societies and the anti-blackness in all the other uh, countries has been just, like, inspiring to see because there is a world outside of policing it just you know it requires an understanding of just like how the police were militarized in the first place how where the police is you know exactly you know, racism and white supremacy comes from and that stuff has been intentionally you know not told to us and unfortunately in order to get to the very last person who's holding out for we need police they need to hear this information they need to know it 
but there's so many other blocks in place that have like made police look like they're doing a good job when in actuality they are probably the biggest parts of the problem in this country when it comes to you know you know being a threat to safety for black people for women for queer people like it it is a it's such a situation that just needs to be um addressed but it's so multi-level and it's just insidious uh how they you know painted them the picture of uh, being a hero while being exactly the opposite. Right. And uh, I guess that that kind of dovetails nicely with what my main kind of take on the police is after reading all this stuff and also just lifetime experiences and all this shit. But uh, I, I kind of think what's going on right now is we have this big daunting task, which is to get everyone to understand what's happening. Because like you're saying, the police are decentralized and they're local, right? So we might end up with this like scattershot of like some abolition somewhere and some states have police and some don't. You don't know. But like, but uh, because you can't, we can't have it come from the top down really, right? So, um, but I think what's good is that we are seeing not just the entire country, but the entire world kind of um, join forces with this thing. And it's because I think the internet is uh, helping to to um, prevent us from getting into a disjointed narrative where like some people think one thing and the other people think the other. There's one big unifying source of information that is sort of um, demystifying the police in a really specific way. And I think what I would say about the police is that they've, qualify as something that this anthropologist named Hobbes bomb, I think is his name defined as an invented tradition. So the idea being that you, there are things in the world that a lot of work has been put into whether it's on purpose or whether it just de facto happened, convincing you that this thing has just always existed when it's actually rather recent of a construct. So one example that Hobbesbaum talks about, this is uh, less political and just kind of funny or whatever, is just like Scottish shit, like bagpipes <laughs> and the kilts and all that stuff. It's mm -hmm. presented as like this sacred like tradition, like you know, deep in these people's um, sort of culture and stuff. But then he makes an argument where he kind of, and I don't know, I haven't read all this shit about Scottish stuff, but let's just come with me on this. He sort of goes like, "Look, it all started in this one year when there was this political reason for Scots to need to sort of differentiate themselves from like the Irish and stuff." And it's like, you know, it's, oh, it's one of those it things. Oh, here it comes. <laughs> the Simpsons, yeah. grounds for Irish Willie. bigotry, the foundation <laughs> yeah. of this country. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also funny how much cops like love bagpipes, and you have to play them at right. the funerals and shit. All I'm saying is they're There's all made no up. fucking way a cop loves a bagpipe. There's no way. Like, listen, I went to a school, College of Wilshire, shout out, Independent Minds Working Together. I went to, I went there and our school, like, if you could play the bagpipes, you got a full ride scholarship. And that is not a joke. And imagine, <laughs> be, imagine living on campus and there's a grown adult playing the bagpipes in the morning to practice so they can keep their scholarship. And everything is so bagpipe related. To, and like I'm like, there's no way that this is the foundation of a culture. Like, there's no way that this is part of their musical oral tradition. I'm like, this sounds like a six pack of ass. This is yeah. terrible. I so, really how much time did they have to differentiate themselves from the Irish? They're like, oh, we, have, we have to get something in one hour. Just find whatever's in your apartment. <laughs> I got a pillowcase. Oh, good. Take that. All right. I got a pipe, some flutes. Yeah, let's throw that together. Yeah. I have a skirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. this man skirt. You want that? Yeah, sure. Let's fuck it. 
Yeah. So like I said, like I don't even know how true that is, but at least the model he's trying to explain is there are things like that in life where at some point in your life you think like, oh, you know, fucking whatever. Capitalism is an example of one. All these other things, you know, the big mainstays that just form our society are... Um, you know, they're all to some extent invented traditions or whatever, and a lot of them are intrinsically entwined with um, this concept of like modernity, I think, and that's how you make a lot of arguments uh, about why these things need to stay in place. Because, okay, so what I'm getting at is there are a lot of arguments for the police and against abolition that basically go, you don't understand the police are the only thing standing in between you and the way things used to be before they existed, which was utter chaos and everyone was a pirate and all this shit and you couldn't go outside and all mm. this stuff. And that I oh, think no. is a historical and what the way to, to demystify this and to make this, you know, argument back in the other direction is to point out that like the, the cops don't really do anything except, protect property and there are a lot of problems and we'll go through all these topics you know chapter by chapter in this book in a minute here but um you know most of them you'll see kind of have the same pattern to them which is that like with you know drugs or sex work or something like that these things already existed before the police they exist dur during a police state to at the exact same rate they just sort of get like worse or they're just punished more which just leads to you know worse problems so like the police don't actually really stop crime in the way that they're uh you know that they're arguing that they do i think that's like the big myth is that like all hell would break loose because now all, all these people that that want to do there are that there are a lot of people that like want to commit crimes that are deterred by just the fact that police exist, which isn't really true. I don't think. I think that human nature is not that dark, but that's sort of a central <laughs> cultural value we have is to understand that it is. You know. Yeah, and it, it's it's hearkening for an era that doesn't exist anymore. And I think that in, uh, and again, this is, you know, as, some, as somebody, I work with Color of Change and like a lot of their work is about like, you know, fixing police narrative, fixing the narrative of black and brown people on the screen. The police have had control of their image for so long and every single cop show is like, only I can do it. And I'm going to do it outside the law or inside the law. It doesn't matter. Whatever the law is, I'm going to be inside or outside. It's Schrodinger's law. Like they don't give a fuck. So like, I don't, I don't enjoy that there's like this myth that they are so necessary that is just, you know, virulent in society and it's being propagated by all the stuff that you just said. But at the same time, there's a media narrative that is, you know, reinforcing that myth that like, oh, we got to call the cops and they're going to come and be helpful. Like how many times have you called the cops and they've gotten there in a timely manner? How many times have you called the cops and they got there and they didn't make it even worse than the situation was going to be? Right. Uh, how many times have you gotten there and then you felt even more unsafe than when you, you know, called them? And like, I think that the idea that a police officer equals safety is so antiquated because, you know, it comes from also, it comes from a period where like, I think police officers are meant to protect, like you said, property, but also white property. Like it, like you think about schools, like a, a security resource officer. Yeah, they might be able to deescalate with a white student, but it's not gonna happen with a black student. And I've seen that sort of stuff happen. It makes me very uncomfortable to walk past. Like, I've walked past people that'd be like, "Oh, I think I was a precinct near you." I moved to New York. My neighbor Roy sat me down. Nice dude, great, wonderful guy. Our insurance guy 
sat us down and he sat me down and goes like, when you move to New York, I want you to live near a police station. And I was like, Roy, I don't think you understand a guy. <laughs> and I had to explain it to him. He goes like, oh, well, you know, there's some good cops, some bad cops. And I had to explain it. And this is me at like, you know, 18. I'd be like, yeah. just so you know, the law that they're enforcing was not built for me. So the law that they're building is, the law that they're enforcing is racist. So that law enforcement is racist. I'm not going to live near a police station. This is with your and real estate agent? Th- no, this is an uh, insurance dude. He's like had our car insurance. And all sorts of stuff. It's like, you know, I lived in Worcester, Ohio. It's a very small town. And I lived in a cul-de-sac, one of the only black uh, families in that neighborhood. And I had black friends all around the town and stuff like that. But like when I was in my neighborhood, this was a dude who's like, you know, it's that very provincial, like picket fence sort of like, you know, story where I drive, pull out of my driveway. I see my neighbors, I wave and I go. And that's just that part of how I grew up. Not my entire life, but like that's part of it. And my man, he said, oh, New York. And he has this idea of New York. And he's like, here's what's going to make you safe. And I was like, you don't I understand that you think the cop makes things safe. But that's just not the case. And, you know, having to go through those levels of explaining it to him. And this was just supposed to be a quick 10-minute conversation. Whole hour talking about <laughs> this specific this specific unpacking of, like, cops aren't here for me. And what they're doing isn't safety. What they're doing is literally fear-mongering. <laughs> like, I don't feel safe. They're literally trying to scare crime out of people. Right. And it's not going to happen. Your conversation just goes back to 1876 all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I, have a laser, I have a laser point and a PowerPoint. I'm like, I hate when I have to bring this out. <laughs> all right. So, slave catchers. Yeah. A lot of resentment towards union carpet baggers. Now, was that justified? <laughs> well, um, speaking of uh, the historical origins of the modern police state, we should dive right in there because that's where this whole book starts and that's where this sort of like conversation starts, like you're saying, with explaining any of this shit and trying to get anyone out of the paradigm of, you know, officer friendly or whatever you kind of have to understand what the cops are and what the world was like before them and so like what's interesting about police i guess to me is that you know throughout history throughout um you know monarchies and things like that there were like these militias and uh, they sort of were apolitical in the sense that they always worked for the king and, uh, you know, various other nobility that squandered with each other did not have their uh, constant alliance in the way that the, the king did. And so it always enforced, you know, the, the main guy. And at some point later on around the, uh, the you know, 19th century, 20th century, we, sort of, this thing sort of morphs into more of a publicly... Um, state-owned thing in various ways but it's all over the map in all different places so like in england you sort of have like this thing called the guard that you know that comes out of militias and that eventually turns into like the british you know just police as we know them but in america um we don't have you know we don't have a king and so it kind of came directly more from transparently from capital and it happened in the form of as many people know now uh largely you know because what Colin Kaepernick did by bringing it directly into the public consciousness or at least on a you know a national like celebrity scale is that a big part of our modern police state comes from fucking slave catchers right um it wasn't you know that that was sort of one faction there's also I mean if you look into like where the Texas state troopers come from which are just this weird like Texas is just fucking like this it just has its own police on top of the regular police um those for example came from uh basically after the U.S. 
you know, just took over a bunch of Mexico. All the Western U.S. just used to be Mexico, as we've talked about a lot, a lot on the show. Um, you know, displaced all these people, and then they ended up being, you know, somewhat able to come back onto their what was their own land. Well, Texas had this their, their own police force that was just designed to keep Mexicans from voting and uh, running for office and stuff like that. Um, you know, and it ultimately wasn't successful, but the fucking Texas state troopers are just still around. That's what they're there for. If you live in Texas and you see those fuckers, um, or at least that's what they were originally there for. And now they're just sort of like, you know, continued on and existing and I don't know, whatever the fuck they think they do these days or whatever. But then they're, you know, Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh huh. Yeah. He was, that's exactly what his fucking job came from. That's, that's who he was really roundhouse kicking, you know? And sneak that past me. The other thing (laughs) I would say, uh, the probably the big main pillar of modern American police is, uh, strike breaking. So a lot of these people came from, you know, Pinkertons and stuff like that. And people that, like, private sort of military policing organizations that were designed to basically just break up organized labor. And, um, you know, this is also where, like, prisons came from, really. Or not prisons, like, uh, prisons in their modern sense, not prisons in general. But, like, you know, prisons, interestingly... Um, I gotta write her name down, but I was listening to an abolitionist today talk about this. Uh, she's talking about how, like, uh, during like slavery, like the prisons were full of white people because, like, if if you wanted to punish a slave, you just they're already you know there's no reason to throw yeah. them in prison. Exactly. But exactly, they were full of white people because the people that they would throw in prisons, the function of the prisons back then was to punish people that were not um, basically complicit in you know exploiting capital. So if you were just a bad worker, essentially, that's where you'd end up. And they prisons sort of cropped up also, you know, in their larger, slightly more modern state in California because because of all this border stuff I'm talking about. You had, um, you know, basically Filipinos and Mexicans that were being, you know, exploited for cheap labor who decided to unionize and, uh, you know, defend the fact that they were being exploited for cheap labor all of a sudden there's this convenient place to fucking throw them so that you can strike break and shit and keep people from organizing. Um, I don't right. know. There, I, I mean, thought this was the, I'm sorry, you go, you had to guess. No, please go ahead. No. Um, I mean, I thought this was the, the best part of the book to me, the history of policing stuff, because, uh, after this, it goes into the various topics of how police affect change in, uh, in different niches of society. But this is stuff that they, they, it's not like really viral. I feel like this isn't talked about that much on the internet, but the main difference between a militia and a modern American police state is the perception of one is it's the King's men. It's inherently political. You know who the police are. They have a big insignia on their chest and they work for the King. The other one is considered apolitical. It's moralizing. The public perception is the police are there to quote unquote, protect you and to keep law and order established on a morality level and in addition to all of the strike breaking and slave catching and all the stuff jake was talking about uh he goes into how uh the american empire in the 20th century essentially ends up like duplicating and establishing this essentially like last 200 years ish new infrastructure in other countries around the world. So, like, the reason there's police the way we think of them now in Japan is, like, we went and put them there. (laughs) 
they were yeah. we dropped them off yeah and a lot of this stuff yeah. uh you know there's sort of an interplay between us sending people over to like the philippines for example or to to uh you know places we're colonizing in like other parts of the world like africa or something like that or setting up these police states rather and uh them bring a lot of that technology home which is how we get this police militarization right to take the tools of colonization and just bring them home and use them on our own fucking populace uh, but there are also a lot of interesting characters fingerprints that, yeah um, there's a guy named, uh, fuck, his last name's escaping me, but his name's, no, oh, Smedley Butler, okay? He was oh, a guy. Oh, yeah, War is a Racket. <laughs> yeah, um, so he was one of these guys who came home, but then he, he eventually end up, ended up, um, you know, he committed a lot of, uh, war atrocities and hate crimes and shit in his career, but he ended up going kind of Serpico later on in life after, like, they tried to install him as the, the first and only emperor of America. I need to read more about this guy's life because he's... <laughs> yeah, I gotta read about the redemption yeah. arc. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking crazy. I was making fun of his name on Twitter and somebody was like, no, you don't understand. You have to read the rest of his story and it, it looks insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was almost emperor of Mexico or uh, emperor of um yeah they America. they tried to hire him for to just knock out roosevelt and yeah. just like start it and then roosevelt found found out about it and then just didn't do anything like they that they felt they were too scared to even like go <laughs> after the people who were plotting it yeah, yeah. um I mean, I mean go ahead i mean like the, i think like uh you know the for me especially because you know being a black dude like the most, the, uh, okay, the hard part about being, you know, black and also African from Mauritania is that, like, there's uh, understanding in America, The America is the is the center of the world. It is the crown jewels, the bastion of hope, free speech, all that sort of stuff. And the black people here are treated so poorly, but around the world, people don't look at, they look at America, oh, wow, look at the black people, they're protesting in this sort of way. We're all going to stand up at the same time. And, and it's like what you were saying, it's like, these internet, just going to different countries and setting up police states. It's like, people were like, oh, why is Japan protesting? I'm like, yeah, they have police. And they, you know, those police aren't going to be clean. I'm from Mauritania. When I went back home in December, police and, and the military were stopping us at checkpoints. And the moment they found out that I was American, they were out here being like, hey, let's get a little bit of money. So it's like that corruption is still in all these different places and they all have guns and all this sort of stuff. But like going back in the history, like, this book and a policing it just like it seems to be a wonderful resource maybe as you said earlier maybe a little bit basic but the book that like really got me started on like understanding to a deep deep you know place what what the police represent in the society is white rage by uh, carol anderson and you know these slave catchers um like i think that one if we want to talk about anything about just like the, the evolution of police over time gotta just remember like they come from people who kept slaves too like this there's like literally black people weren't like people they were property and they were zero-fifths of a person for a very long time until it was advantageous for the south to make them three-fifths of a person so like understanding just like how anti-blackness is built into the police system from just its onset is so key to like even explaining where we're at now because yeah the police are meant to like protect property and stuff like that but they're still going out of their way to hurt black people who are on their way home from doing nothing or you know criminalizing the system is built to criminalize people one way depending on if they're black or they're white and i think that you know whenever i think about policing and like the prison system like i think it's very funny that what it was just used to be all white people <laughs> like, I, I think that's hilarious to me i can't even imagine that world. 
but like um looking at like where we are now and just like you know i don't need to explain it too much we're just going through like what slavery has become in this world the exploitation of the working classes talking about the prison labor just like that sort of stuff all has this inherent anti-blackness in it that whenever I do like stand-up comedy, they're like, why do you make everything about race? I'm just like, bro, everything has race baked into it, has racism baked into it. And when I'm talking about the police state, not just here, but also abroad, it's like this racism is built into it because the people that they were trying to police at first were people who looked at like them. And they thought that just because you're not doing work and making this money, you're going to go to jail. But then when it turned into like, oh, you are either property or you are also not a value to society or we can justify doing anything to you, we're going to throw you in jail. On top of that, we have this notion that you are less than us. And that compounded over time is what brings us to this moment. But the information that we're talking about right now, how do we like get this to other people? Because we had to go out of our way to learn about this. Like the way that like slavery has turned into, you know, prison labor and stuff like that is something that a lot of people are privy to that information but like how do we get to the people that aren't you know privy to that information yeah um, i think what, that's what over, just real quick overcoming one of the myths that we're gonna have to overcome is uh it's really difficult because like alex was saying you know all those old militias that were precursors to the modern police had the king's symbol on their badge or whatever and you knew who they worked for and what we have now is a police that they have a king right and but they tell you it's one thing and it's actually the other they tell you the king is peace right they tell you we just work apolitically for peace but in reality it's this amalgamation of white supremacy property the state all of these things that aren't like there's not like a physical leader you can put to it but they're interests that have just developed over time and they've sort of like entrench their way into just what the police are in ways where they don't even I you know think really understand that they're doing it they're just operating off of like um you know, you know what racism is it's just it's just this resentment that builds in you that sort of uh you know there's like a implication in cops that they think like you know that that things would just be better if if if, if they could just finish the this job they have of sorting everyone out and getting everyone fucking you know put into the place in society where they think they belong or whatever. So what we're really going to have to argue with people about is the basic premise of police because the myth is no 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 you don't understand they're like this secular thing that oh, if you could get all this racism and stuff out of it it would uh, you know it would it would keep people safe and do all the stuff that it says it does but you, know, you have to go back straight to the beginning and. And understand that this is intrinsically linked. It is baked in, like you're saying. It's a, the you, the only thing you can do is get rid of it. And what uh, Vitaly talks about in this book is, you know, not so much just he's, he sort of goes through all of these different um, categories that the police work in, and then basically shows you what reforms have been made and what reforms are being proposed, and that's and how that's sort of like not enough, and then what the alternatives are, and the alternatives usually are heavily implied to be just less police at all and, you know, social work and uh, just, mo you know, just fucking money and just, like, uh, investing in the actual cause of the disease rather than the symptoms or whatever and also mm -hmm. not being punitive and that's like that's the, what's so weird about the culture of the police is that they will just insist to the death that the only way for any of you know the shit in society to 
you know, get quote unquote fixed is through punitive measures. And it, no one wants to admit it, but it has to be punitive. It has and to I, be. I think part of Go ahead. I think part of that is like kings. Like, you know, kings are not people who are elected. They're ordained by God, quote unquote. And that comes from the sort of puritanical, like this is good versus this is bad. And there's not a spectrum of things. There's no rehabilitation. And so like we're in this position where like people can't imagine a world, like people are always like, you know, there's always <laughs> jokes about on Twitter, like throw them in jail or like lock them up and stuff like that. But it is coming from a place of not really understanding the like the implications of that is that all we do with things that we don't like is throw them away. There's no rehabilitation. And I think that um, that's baked into just society in general. I think that especially like Western society, Western uh, even democracies, like there's good, there's evil, there's law and order to preserve the good and to put away the evil. However, what abolition is trying to do is, you know, relocate these funds, take the cops to zero so they are not necessary. So that way we can focus on policing ourselves in a way that not even policing, but like making sure that we have systems in place that we can be, you know, restorative and rehabilitative in a way that we that we're, we haven't really thought about. And I think that it's because we have a culture of disposability. When we think that something is so bad, like we're like, oh, trash, go away. Great, yeah. but like, is that ever gonna change? Like, are we ever going to fix that sort of thing? Like one of the uh, things I always run back to is that I used to be a seventh grade science teacher and like we always wanted to assume the best in people. And I think we've kind of lost that because we've only seen the worst in so many people or people pretending to be the best and then we discover the worst in them and then now they're disposable, but just like us. I think that um, I don't really believe that there are, I mean, there are good and bad. I think it's really that it's the things that you do. And I think that everybody on social media and in the world wants to be like the arbiters of like what is considered good and wholesome and American, fuck yeah, and all that but not really trying to think of how are the ways that we can actually like build systems that can cycle out the bad stuff, but make the people who've made mistakes or done things that are heinous back into being productive members of society. It's called a correctional facility, but like ain't no correction happening. It's just, we're gonna throw you in a hole and we're gonna like, <laughs> we're gonna put you there for time. And in that time, it's up to you to figure that stuff out. But we have no systems in place to do that and then those people just get exploited and uses cheap or free labor and are even have to pay to talk to people on the outside and at the drop of a hat this at the drop of a hat they could be in an even worse situation there or more time being added to it and yeah every post that i'm getting every single question i'm getting is like what about the rapists and the murderers and that i'm just like we're trying to build a system where we won't have that yeah, also, they already nah. exist and, like, are largely not deterred by just knowing that there are cops out there. Also, some of them are cops. Right. Right. And they get <laughs> right. away with like, it for way and they longer. they get away with it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, if you ever listen to the last podcast on the left, towards the, like, end of the 20th century, people start catching up on the, on the grifts. Like, if I join the police, I have an excuse to kill for yeah. a long time right. yeah. they won't catch me yeah it's and like it's, um, yeah. it's like the catholic church where it's like um you know oh I, there's a job i can be around children and everyone trusts me like we create these fucking right, right. things you know alone in a box <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's part it's a ritual we do well yeah and like what you're saying about the the racial aspect and the culture of policing like it's interesting how much it the history of it has tracked with like whiteness and and developing whiteness and including more 
different ethnicities coming from Europe into whiteness. Uh, my grandfather was born in 1917, uh, was in the NYPD. Don't cancel me. I, I didn't know him. But, uh, oh, it is a rap for you. Defund <laughs> Anders <laughs> grandfather. <laughs> he, um, but he fucked the Anders grandfather. You know that song. <laughs> you know suck my dick. <laughs> yeah, suck my dick, Anders grandfather. <laughs> I'm sorry, Drew's a nice man. Um, <laughs> he uh <laughs> I was gonna say he he well he was Irish. He was born Irish, right? And he couldn't the old, that was the only job he could get. And then I joked like somewhere around like nineteen fifty or something, he became white because that's how uh, Irish people were incorporated into whiteness is by proving they could brutalize black people, right? Because mm-hmm. they at first they were a different thing, and then you know, eventually they got you know to be part of the club. Right. There's no there's no part in the entire history of policing where they were ever keeping anyone safe. That wasn't the job description. It was beating up different targets of people, which right. is what's exciting about this moment because we're talking about. You know, how do you explain to Roy, the insurance guy, the history of colonialism? But you really don't have to do that to affect this change. You just have to ask people, when has a cop ever helped you? And no one can name one time. <laughs> yeah. The myths are it's all over TV. Happened. But in, if you ask a human being, they're like, I, I'm just assuming it would happen at some point. And, uh, you know, eventually. And statistically. And it's a wild spectrum of things that we call them for. It's like everything from like, yo, also like, think about it. If we call, say there's, let's just use three examples. Say it's a mental health emergency. They're not trained for that. They're not trained in de-escalation. They're trained to fucking come in there and be like, should have called someone else. Like that is what they do. And then you, if your I car breaks down. I can beat the down, shit out of your disabled son. Is that what exactly, you're calling me for? Exactly. Or I can shoot your dog. Is that a dog? May I shoot it? Like they, they can do that for you. <laughs> hey, or but if, if you need someone to shoot your dog, all right? Dog, I got you, bro. Like, <laughs> I, I got you. Uh, but, like, middle of the night, your car breaks down. Who you call? AAA, maybe 911. 911 comes, they'll be like, hey, call AAA. Like, the things that are, like, minuscule that you're like, I might need help with, they will always be like, you should have gone somewhere else. And the things that are big that we need, we need help with, they're like, you should have gone somewhere else. Or they'll show up and they'll escalate it to a place where it's like, there could have been one casualty. Now there's 100. And you're like, okay, so what happened? Or there's multiple people in the hospital. or all the. And the thing is, like, they're not trying. They're just not built to help you. And I think that part of the paradigm of talking about this is just like, you have to, you have to talk about the police from a very... Uh, racially inclusive spot because I think that you know the intersection of race cannot be like erased from this and like what you're talking about with uh, Irish people I think that in this country whenever white people feel threatened population wise they widen the goalposts to allow different types of other European white people to be here and using the police force is like all right cool Italians Irish you're trying to you're trying to join the gang all right you know what is happening right now with that is uh what Latinos. There are so many Latin people that are in like Damn. ICE now and shit and Border Patrol yeah. and the police themselves. And, you know, I mean, fucking dude, I can tell you from being from a Latin family, it's because they convince these motherfuckers. They start going, these dudes start getting convinced that they are white. And what they're doing is buying into the grift of white supremacy, which is, it's, yeah. it's a thing that convinces you you're going to benefit from it. And it's motherfucker, other people are going to benefit off of you thinking you're included in the benefits of this because it always benefits the people at the top that control the state and have all the fucking money. It's fucking... And it's what... It's, it's bullshit. Like, you're, like, I can't even imagine what you go through with that, having to deal with that coming from a Latin family because, like, 
you know, Latinx identities are already so muddled in the sense that like, there's not a lot of people who know how to talk about it in a correct way. The, I, how many people do you know that know the difference between Hispanic versus Latinx? Dude, fucking nobody how many does. You know that use Latinx, like, and then like, you, you have people who are darker than me looking at me like, no, 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 Bobby, I'm Dominican. Yeah. Dominican. <laughs> like, there's no situation where a cop that is knee on your neck like, no, Bobby, no, 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 I'm Dominican. And I'm like, oh shit, two for one bet. Like right. that's the way that like that sort of paradigm of thought thinks. And I think that like. You know, white supremacy is not just like you will benefit from this. It's like we are the model and you need to get as close as to us as possible and you will go to the top. But for the most darkest skinned people in this world, there you can be as close. You could be wearing the wild dockers and IZOD fit express polo hanging out at the golf course. But at the end of the day, you are a black person like that is not going to change just because your mindset is so much being like in a proximity to whiteness mindset and i think that you yeah, bringing it up to the present it's like yeah like the the fact that like there's a lot of latinos who just don't believe that they are people of color and want to claim the parts of it they want but don't want to like understand that like that the police are invested in your oppression as well and i think the ice agent part is just so insidious because it's like this is clearly a ploy to be like, oh, look, we're not racist. We have Latinx. Like, they're using you against your own. There's no, it's a no-win game where you're like, we're using you against your own people. And also, you will never fully be one of us. I kept yelling at cops, being like, especially black cops. I'm like, if you were walking late at night with a hoodie on, is that cop behind you going to tell, is he, is he going to run up on you? Or is he going to know that y'all are family? Because I don't believe that he, you, he knows that. And I just kept yelling at a cop, like, and that's all I have left. I'm just like, listen, like, we all. This sounds. You know, I'm. I'm never. I feel like my, you know, radicalization has happened in college, really, definitely. But like, I'm at this point where it's like we can say so much, but at the end of the day, like, if we have tried everything to get you to leave, you don't have to be a cop. You can do data entry for Google. You can be a grocer. You can like sell weed. You can do fucking anything, dog. And you chose to stay on this police force that gives you clearly carte blanche to do whatever you want insofar as you don't do something so bad that it makes the whole police force look good. A white, a white cop kills somebody? Yeah, that man... He hey, what's up? This is Jake. The audio dropped out here for like, I don't know, like 20 seconds. So sorry, we're going to miss something. All right, let's return. Would you believe that right before the beginning of this, I wrote a movie about four freelancers planning a heist to rob a billionaire by looting his businesses and everything. And look at what happened now. My movie went from a comedy to a documentary and I couldn't, normally I'd be like, damn, that's a bag. But I'm so happy because like the myths that have kind of held us back that like, oh, we shouldn't be like robbing these businesses, the myths that police are good people and that like, you know, maybe if he had listened, he would have been fine. The fact that we've gone to every level to demystify the myth that like the police are a good and necessary thing in society, that we have to win an optics game. When we, me and Yodoya were trapped on the bridge, and one thing that came to my mind is that, okay, they can turn their body cams off and wail on us all they want. However, we pull up and we got cameras on them and we're tweeting at the mayor, AOC, Andrew Cuomo, all these people can possibly be watching. It's not a good look. So they let us off the bridge. I don't know if that was the catalyst, but they can't look bad. That propaganda of them dancing with people and taking a knee and dapping people up, it's only for the cameras so they can continue to have the positive media image. But because of this sort of democratization of the, the internet in the sense that we have all this 
footage of them doing that stuff. That old man that got pushed down, and our man said like, it wasn't that big of a deal. I'm like, you pushed them. Like, you <laughs> people told you to push it. We can hear. We can see. Like, what's what's wrong with you? You can see him bleeding out his ears. <laughs> yeah, like that's why he thinks it's, it wasn't that big of a deal. Is because they destroyed his brain. <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, everything's fine. Nah, he's already dead, right? Like, he's. I mean, like, yeah, what? Two good three years left on him. Like, come on. Like that. Like that was the mentality. They're like, yo, we're allowed to do this. And the fact that like, there's so many videos, like this pattern of behavior has already happened so many times for black people. But like now to see like, oh, nah, this can't happen. And what is even wilder is that so many other black people have died in the last two weeks. And all we needed you to do is just arrest poor people. You locked up mad people. You spilled a lot of blood. You wasted a lot of resources. You committed war crimes. And all we needed you to do is have accountability for four people. But you decided, no, it's gang, gang, Treyway till I die. And decided that they're not going to lock up these dudes. And it took forever for them to make that decision. And so much of this could have been avoided. I think it's necessary. And it should, I, honestly, this would have happened at some point, sometime. But it... It, it, I have to take perfect solid. storm. Like, things got pushed. Yeah, yeah, you create a perfect storm, and uh, it this you can't you cannot create these pressure systems and expect people not to react. Well, and to see what happened, it's been beautiful. To to sort of like round out since we're about an hour, we can go you know another fifteen twenty or something like that. Um, I wanted to go through like what the end of policing sort of does, which is it looks at these specific issues and then gives examples of how reform didn't work and what would actually work. So uh, the first one is uh he talks about how um the police state is entrenched in schools which i thought was really interesting because there was some stuff in this chapter i was reading it and i was like that's why they kicked you out of class i thought it was just because they you know were trying to help your grades or whatever no it's because neoliberal reform in public schools uh and later on in charter schools basically set up a situation where teachers um pay is based on students test scores and so a way to protect their own paycheck is that they are basically just incentivized and forced into suspending students constantly which then puts you into the school prison pipeline and um i don't know if anyone else even listening or whatever has an experience with this because i didn't realize until i read this book that this was uh maybe more specifically a texas thing but um you can get kicked out of school in texas and get sent to what i sent to got sent to which is called a supermax school which is essentially just a prisonized school um um no i did not have that experience yeah yeah, yeah. i, went to I this, had a I mean, normal I, school experience <laughs> i mean i taught i taught in a charter school and it's it is this sort of like it's more of teachers as authority as opposed to like you know people who are just like cultivating a learning environment and it's it sucks because you know little black kids being told hey oh, we're getting you ready for college and i was like oh well, why are they in button downs and forced to be in a line and shackled down to these chairs because when i was in college i was definitely playing frisbee and learning parkour so like i don't know what what this is all about it, it it's a very real thing i think that that school to prison pipeline is a thing that definitely needs to be talked about because that sort of you know especially for black kids like that fear of police is ingrained in them and like it's like kind of teaching you respectability so you when you enter the world you don't die and right it's pretty sinister the, it's pretty the things that always broke my heart even, even even in that school and also like when i have been in jail and shit uh is that like you know eventually in order to survive in those situations you have to humanize your goddamn jailers and people would start just joking around with them and shit but like it's a bad situation i mean i got thrown out of school because i swear to god i'm not lying about this fucking 18 years later somebody left a joint in my car like in my ashtray it wasn't mine um but i got sent to this thing that was sure. like i know so <laughs> but um <laughs> the, the school itself they said it 
used to be an insane asylum, so it had like these three-way hallway intersections and stuff, so it was like confusing and hard to escape from and shit, and like you weren't allowed to talk to anyone, and it was mostly black kids and Latin kids and stuff, and then there was like, there was an Asian guy who like me, I made friends with because he was in one of my classes, and he uh, he was in for like white-collar student crime, which is he was, uh, <laughs> yeah, he got caught just like faking uh, hall passes or whatever to just get his friends out of class and shit, and then he was, it was crazy, right? So, uh, That's but, cool as hell. Entrepreneur. Honestly, that shit is dope as hell. It was fucking like, tight. Batman 100% should be in charge of the economy. That's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that mind so early? Come on. The absolute coolest motherfucker in that whole thing when I was in there was uh, this guy who was in front of me in my bus route, right? So you had to take a bus, even if you, you know, had a car or whatever, just fucking the rules are, you just have to be in, you know, this, this like austere prison cult thing. And, uh, take a bus every morning at fucking five in the morning and then you get there and you're supposed to take off your shoes and your belt and all the money and stuff out of your pockets and give it to this cop and the cop his job is to count all the money and shit and make sure you have like less than five dollars or something because you can't try to buy drugs with less than five dollars i don't know what the fuck the rationale was right um sure you know it was just money for lunch or whatever but there was this dude in front of me that figured out legally that they had to count it no matter what form you brought the money in so he would just dump five dollars and pennies on this dude every fucking morning and you hear him like clattering around the plastic bucket and shit and this cop <laughs> had to count 500 pennies every fucking morning it was so cool um <clears throat> but anyway damn that sucks place was a fucking nightmare um and I and uh, also in it, like you know, you you operated on this point system where you would, you you if you earned like two thousand points or something, you got out of ALC. That's what it's called, the Alternative Learning Center, right? But um, you know, if you got into like uh, a, a, a fight with a teacher or something, they would just yell at you and go negative five hundred points. Fuck you. Negative a thousand points. Negative six thousand points. Fuck you. You're in here oh, forever, right? It's like evil Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we never got to go to the Triwizard <laughs> Tournament or whatever. Um, but yeah. the thing that was so that was really disturbing about it was that you know I was in there when I was like eighteen, seventeen, something like that, and I was in there with kids who they didn't put them back in regular school if they got stuck in that cycle you literally just went into like the juvie system and then i'm assuming you know fucking prison from there what was interesting about the book is this was like bush's policy when he was governor of texas and i remember in like the early 2000s late 90s hearing like Texas is a, a miracle, and the education system there is the best in the country under George W. Bush. Like, how did they? How did George they do that? George W. How did Bush they... has thrown Jake in jail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> applause. And that's how it's because, and that's a very like '90s thing. Now that I'm thinking about it, because as we talked about before, like the with the crime bill, um, that's the reason for the unemployment numbers in the '90s that Clinton loves to brag about is because they weren't counting people who were in jail. And that's the same things with this. It's just, it was like the pinnacle of stat jukery was the 1990s. Like, for, like pulling the wool over everyone's eyes and making them think that it's great while you're yeah. just like throwing people in jail to like, you know, try and uh, ameliorate society's problems. Right, yeah. they, turn the, they turn the schools into prisons and uh, like every section in this book, they say, can we improve the schools by inserting police which is why reading it after chapter like four you just kind of have the same mental arc you get watching an extremely dry episode of curb your enthusiasm 
Can we fix sex work by introducing cops? Oh no, they've just been killing all the prostitutes for 500 years. That's kind of why I think this cop uh, or this book is uh, probably a good resource for like uh, liberals who are maybe afraid of the word abolition or whatever, because like it really beats you over the head with just the concept. But the concept is really important, which is that more cops fucks up uh, anything, a system like schools or something like that more. And the problems that we're talking about existing that the cops are supposedly there to fix would be fixed if you removed them and then just reinvested in the quality of life surrounding schools or you know the next one being like uh mental health services next chapter is about that um and we've talked about that on the show more results adding larry david into each of these situations yeah (laughs) Uh, you don't need to know the bite that can you why why is square squared? Why is he square? I don't know. That's a lot of letters. But like, yeah, um, I think that like I, I hear you. I mean, it's all the bringing more force, and especially the most excessive type of force <laughs> that we have on a local level into situations that need to be treated delicately should just genuine generally be a bad idea i don't know talk crazy but like as a you know being in a, in school it's like, this is why when we're talking about like you know this brings us kind of all the way back to like when we're talking about the sanitization of the words that we're using and not using them right and like the interchangeability of these words that like when we're saying defund the police we're not saying take their money and leave them with a little bit of it we're taking it all and putting it back in places that are going to make them even more obsolete than them be having no money so we're going to put them into our public education system. We're going to put them into public safety systems, into uh, mental health, uh, the places that are going to prioritize your mental health, research that helps build those sorts of positive, uh, you know, positive growth spaces in our actual communities. And I think that that's the, the problem right now. I think that a lot of people are mixing, are saying defund with reform and not defund with abolition the way that need to be said on social media. And also I'm already seeing how quickly the conversation has moved past the people who've been talking about it for years to like dummies, idiots. I'm just like, who the fuck is this person? I've seen this person on Twitter for seven years talk about prison abolition. And you're gonna talk to this person learned about it last week. Like, I don't, I, I think that like, we need to also just be so cognizant of like, who is the, who are the people who should be the leaders of this? And I think that we're just so primed to be like, oh, I'm gonna step in there and I'm gonna, you know, get learn everything and I'm gonna do it. I'm like, no, there's people who know how to do this and they know what the research needs to be. I think we need to support them. And, I, and as we were saying before, all eyes are on Minnesota right now. All eyes right. are on Minneapolis, and that's a scary thing. But I think that you know, giving them as much, as many resources and as much assistance as possible to show that that is going to be a successful, viable system is what's gonna hopefully long term be able to help us you know, completely make the police system defunct and build community resources that make a more healthy society. And, you know, as somebody who studied science, it's like our country is so far out of whack. There's no sort of homeostasis at all. And all our money is in the weirdest, dumbest things. Like, I think that what changed this is that people finally saw the might of the U.S. government and the U.S. police system as a military arm pointed at its own people and finally started also seeing, oh, that's what other countries see about us. And I think that that, um, you know, that image is scary. And I think that now that we have solutions in place and not just being able to label the problems, 
I think we should start exploring those things. And I think we should be doing it quickly. And if anyone is making that happen, it's Minneapolis. And let's support them 100% and get to a place where we can show that prisons and police are obsolete and unnecessary and were never necessary in the first place. Let's yeah. prove it. I mean, I do definitely think, like, there is a long history of the abolitionist movement, but it's important, I mean, I think personally to, like, acknowledge that there's not – there hasn't always been like a unified um, sort of model for what it would look like. And some people who identify as abolitionists do think there should still be a role for dealing with violent people that involves like maybe separating them from society, you know, temporarily rehabilitating. Uh, and some people don't, some people say that's not real abolition. Um, but I, and, you know, I think that's a, but that's part of dialectics, you know, is having that conversation and uh, seeing how it plays out. I will say, though, I think what's really important now is to, f I, I mean, the words are important, right? And I think there's not, we should, you know, be unafraid of claiming terms like abolition and defunding and things like that. But what's really important, I think, is the actual steps that are taken more so than what um, label that's behind them because we could have, you know, an abol a quote unquote abolitionist program that privatizes the uh, security force and ends up being even worse. Like that could happen. So yeah, terms are important, but I really think at the end of the day, uh, we have to pay attention to the actual policies, not follow, not fall into the trap of liberal reforms that we've seen in the past. Uh, but also, you know, be cognizant of, of where we're going. Because, yeah, I mean, to me, the goal is communism, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But even then, I, you know, and this is just me putting my cards on the table, I think there's um, got to be a role for, like, it would look totally different. But I think, you know, even in a propertyless, sort of stateless society, there might be some people who need to be separated, you know? Uh, yeah. That's just my take, but maybe... Yeah. Maybe that's the Irish cop in me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, those oh, yeah, I about that. Fuck brutality cannot be contained. Fuck your grandpa. Fuck your grandpa, dude. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like every once in a while, there's a very small percentage of people in society that are just like, you know, John Wayne Gacy or whatever. And like those people are going to be used as the argument every single time for the whole system existing. And I, I don't know. I don't think that it's entire. I think that uh, that argument is actually very small part of this argument and whatever side of the fence you land on it it's not really that consequential like you know i think that uh if we had some sort of system in place to look at a psycho axe murder every time it happens and take care of the guy and separate him from people and that's all police we end up with i personally to me that sounds fucking fine but i could see how uh, people want to be purists about this or whatever but to your larger point about the goal being communism i think um you know, when we look at this book and look at what he's talking about uh, in terms of the solutions, the solutions are kind of far away from the argument we're having about police. The solutions that he's describing in this book are reforming neoliberal capitalism. So, for instance, how do you fix the culture of schools and the fact that, like, right. young students don't find pathways out of schools and into like a successful career well it's you get rid of the neoliberal fucking reform which is the thing that creates a situation in the first place where teachers don't have the interest of their students at heart they have the interest of their paychecks and they're you know in opposition with each other and in some sort of crisis that's that's just socialism that's not that's just looking at neoliberal capitalism and going this this sucks it just happens mm -hmm. to also be the underlying 
like thing that causes this friction with this police factor involved or whatever so like we're in a moment where yeah i think that we could probably use this to even sneak in some of this reform that we were arguing in the in a political you know electoral way before and didn't fucking happen i don't know right yeah 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 it require it requires you know a rejection of just like all the capitalist structures that exist in you know in all the different spaces that we can and also requires people to realize that in order for this to work power is going to have to get lost in certain ways and reallocated to different places this is all about a reallocation of power to the people in a very specific way and to destroy a carceral state where we're just making people into disposable agent parts of this capitalist machine and every and the thing is all all roads lead to socialism as something that we fix to the point where it's like yo when fucking you know, when we all needed money, they're like, all right, here's a little bit of socialism, but don't think we're going to give you any more. Like, bro, like, come on. Like, it, it, the people that are working for us, the people that we are electing, that we are, you know, paying our good own, good, hard-earned dollars that we shouldn't have had to work as hard as we do to make those dollars, that money is going to people who are actively invested in not listening to us. And I think that, you know, the fact that, listen, Minneapolis is popping right now. When Jacob Frey pulled up to those protesters and they said, get out of here, I was <laughs> fucking weak. I was crying. I said on Twitter, I don't know, I'm a big, big Space Jam fan, deep cut, but there's a part where, like, Charles Barkley loses his skills in basketball, and then he plays against these girls and they wash him, and then they're like, you ain't Charles Barkley. Charles he, just Barkley. Somebody, he just somebody who looks like him. Be gone, wannabe. Be gone. I was crying when I saw that. And it's like, we need to start taking people to tasks like that. And I think that, you know, it was scary to do that to cops, even though, like, we need to. We do pay their paychecks. We do pay their bills. And they have allocated all this money to this space, but it needs to be given back to the systems that are going to help actually keep us safe and not this myth of safety that they have built their whole image around and this myth of fraternity and brotherhood when it's actually just a white hood and it's just people beating people up and having carte blanche to do that shit. So I, I think that it, it requires a, you know, a very critical eye that we've already had in so many different ways and so many different conversations on where all of our money is going, where that's coming from and how hard we have to work under capitalism just to make a living wage in this sort of way that we're not going to have to do all of that if we find a way to reallocate this money from systems that are actively trying to harm us and politicians that are actively trying to harm us. And I think it requires a hypervigilance on every level of government that people are too busy or too tired to do at the end of the day of working. And this is all by fucking design. So I think that the more that we can be vigilant and work really, really hard to like keep those doors open to a better, uh, more socialist, more prison abolitionist, more police abolitionist world, the better that things are going to be in this world. We're just going to have a more rehabilitative society. And honestly, I can see it. If that, if we're going to talk about the country as an organism, we're going to have a, enter a more homeostatic space that we can actually uh, inhabit and live in and thrive in. Cool. 
I, I totally agree. I think that we should probably wrap up here just because we're getting we don't want an episode drag too long. And um, we'll probably cover some more of this in the bonus later this week. But, um, Mamadou, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this is probably a good note to go out on. We kind of got to where we needed to get, which is, you know, the socialism and uh, obviously the uh, hilarious boy mayor of Minneapolis and his uncertain future. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Fucking Harry Styles for mayor. What the fuck is wrong with that, man? <laughs> my man, listen, I've never, listen, I love seeing politicians get clowned in public. It's my favorite thing in the world. But when he was in the crowd and he had that little mask on and then they're like, are you going to defund the police? And he was like, Nah, I don't think I'm gonna do that. They're like, get out of here. I was like, yeah, get that motherfucker out of here. It was so funny, man. Wearing his T ball shirt. Oh, what a fucking cornball, <laughs> fucking wingding. God damn. Yeah. I did, I, uh, why couldn't he just do a pol- – he couldn't even do a politician answer and just say, like, I'll think about it or something like that. Yeah, my different. man was just like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Target should, too much. You should always yell at the mayor, regardless of context or situation. It's healthy. It's good for them, and it's good for you. Yeah. I 100%. I think we need more town halls where, like, that dude in L.A. was just going in on the uh, police chief. I'm like, I would love that. Ooh. I mean, the thing is, like, I think I think that the, 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 the weird thing about this moment is that, like, people are not fitting those, you know, rules where we're trying to be nice to each other. We're just cussing people out <laughs> on public town halls like it's C-SPAN in 2004. Speaking like, everyone knowing it's a can shit. Can we drop that in? Can yeah. we drop that in? Because that is fantastic. Yeah, I'll drop Please it in. The little the bagel boss cop. It's stained by someone in Minneapolis. It's still got a shine on it. And so do theirs. So do theirs. Stop treating us like animals and thugs. And start treating us with some respect. That's what we're here today to say. We've been left out of the conversation. We've been vilified disgusting it's disgusting trying to make us embarrassed of our profession 375 million interactions overwhelmingly overwhelmingly positive yeah oh my god he looks yeah. like a fucking dude oh, man. speaking of police chiefs this is unrelated but i just i have a lot of notes because i've been there's just so much shit happening this week um yeah. so there's this police chief in uh houston texas art acevedo who i've been talking about a lot on various things because um i have just personal beef with him because i lived in his cities for so long but he also um he's just a fucking theater kid and he's this cop that likes to grandstand and sort of like um make these big speeches and cry a lot of crocodile tears and he was doing a lot of the like let's all come together and you know dancing with people and stuff and um it's it's really bothers me because he is uh he's no good i mean his police have killed like six people in the last six weeks in houston so he has no idea what he's you know talking about he's also he's the uh, chief of houston police and his um his police actually arrested george floyd when george floyd lived in houston and planted drugs on him so our acevedo no good but as long as we're embarrassing politicians, I did discover something about Art Acevedo recently, which is that, like so many members of the government, he has an embarrassing child that has a career in improv comedy and sketch comedy. So no way. Yeah, yeah. I found a guy, his son is named Matt Acevedo, and um, he actually... I don't know if I even want to drag him that hard because he does share a lot of Black Lives Matter stuff. So I think he hates his dad okay. a little bit, but he also <laughs> shares like a lot of the eight can't wait. Like, you know, it's we're going to all figure it out together stuff. So I don't know. Um, okay. Yeah. He, he's trying. Yeah. He's, trying. he's threatening. Yeah, like, listen, 
you know how many kids fucking hate their parents, bro? Like, I think that kids now have, like, learned a little bit more about the world than we did when we were younger. We were blinded to so much. But, like, kids, they have all that access. They're like, oh, no, you're a fucking clown cake. Fuck you. Like, Bill de Blasio, oh, like, yeah. the police are pressing, pressing your daughter, and you're like, I'm still going to stand with them. Like, you fucking hurt. What the fuck is wrong with you, bro? Like, <laughs> if you're not going to protect your fucking daughter, there's no hope for any of us, you fucking, oh, God. I, when I saw that shit, I was like, oh, there's no hope. If you can't even, like, be like, yo, the police pressed my daughter and they doxed her, this is personal, you're like, nah, we still, you know what we need to do? We need to talk about police unions. It's like, someone should slap the shit out of you. I feel bad for your black children. Get them out of that house, bro. You fucking <laughs> suck, G. I was so mad. Yeah. Yeah. At least Bill de Blasio doesn't do improv. That would be more embarrassing for his daughter. If she was also <laughs> the mayor and was like, uh, you know, zip, zap, zop, we're going to... Yeah. <laughs> reform these cops. Reform <laughs> these cops. I have seen. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get some plugs in and get out of here. Uh, Mama, do where can my listeners follow you and find you and read your stuff and listen to your stuff and all that stuff? Oh uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mamadou and Jai. M A M O U D O U N D I A Y E, and on Instagram at Mamadou about nothing. M A M O U D O U A B o-u-t-n-o-t-h-i-n-g wow i don't know that was hard that was very difficult uh yeah and uh you know again i love talking about all this sort of stuff i you know i always say i wish i didn't know like <laughs> I, I, I had to know to understand everything about the world and be better about it and i was raised by you know uh you know afghan studies professor and a nurse and i you know i've had a lot of wonderful things happen in my life but at the end of the day i'm a fucking clown bro i love making fun of shit i love roasting shit i that is where i live but i will always do it with a little bit of heart and trying to make things better for you know marginalized people so don't come to me on no fuck shit and we'll be good but also follow me i'm cute so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. cool all right well thank you so much man thanks for joining us um does anybody else got oh, anything no. plug before we get out of here yeah um follow me on twitter at patak jokes p-t-a-k jokes my pinned tweet right now is a radio show I made with my other podcast, Ballin' Out Super. It's Zerial. It is a serial parody, but about Dragon Ball Z. We're using it to raise money for Reclaim the Block to defund the police in Minnesota. So far, we've raised $3,600. And I want to get up to 5K. So come check yeah. it out. Donate what you can. You get the link. And uh, we were working on it for like a month. It's pretty good. At least sound quality-wise, you'll be impressed. Check it out. It's pretty funny. Uh, at Andersley here on Twitter, Dursley one on Instagram. If I could just quickly plug uh, Black Visions Collective uh, out of Minnesota, uh, they're doing a lot of great work. Check them out online and uh, please donate if you can. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm at Feral Jokes on everything. Uh, I run this podcast. My other podcast is called Why You Mad. I do it with Luisa Diaz, my friend who's an anthropologist and comedy booker and everything. And uh, we get into theory and art history and stand-up comedy and all that stuff on that show. If you haven't listened to it, if you enjoyed the shows that she did on this show, uh, it's a spinoff. Um, also, if you're a fan of our show and you have uh, you ordered merch, it's the merch is just taking a long-ass time, but hopefully it'll be out like this week or something. Sorry, I'll try include something nice for you um yeah other than that i don't know donate money that society is happening everywhere the joker is happening in real life it's all happening um uh, fuck anders grandpa
<laughs> okay, oh, yeah. grandpa. oh, oh, sorry. I fell asleep, but I woke up for that. Yo, fuck Anders' grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> if we leave you with one thing today, it is yeah. do not fuck around with Anders' grandpa. He's a pig. He's a pig. He's part of the problem. <laughs> he is underground. Um, Just a little grand pig, though. Yeah, he's, good. <laughs> he's cooked. <laughs> all right man <laughs> all right thank you so much y'all all right yeah thank you it's finished it's finished oh